Hello and welcome to another episode of Perspectives and today we're joined by the incredible Lou Kell, a yoga teacher and qualified life coach based in Melbourne. Lou is on a mission to empower highly sensitive women, guiding them to step into their magical, intuitive and powerful selves with ease. As she's going through her transformative journey, making her 40th year as a pivotal stepping stone, evolving and embracing her new decade with courage and heightened awareness, she's sharing her story with us. Hello, Lou. Thank you so much. Hello, Valerie. Thank you so much for having me. It's amazing to be here. And we'll start by saying that today is uh, 2024 and you are at the stage of your life where, how would you describe your stage of life, where you are today? Mm, It's funny that you said the date actually because Uh, We've just started the new year and this is the year that I turned 40. And for some reason, it just feels like a big stepping stone in my life, being in this like 40th year energy. Um, My 20s were really challenging. I had a lot of dark nights of the soul and just a lot of learning. My 30s were a bit more of an evolution. Like I felt like I was becoming the woman that I wanted to be. And I just feel like I'm about to step into this new decade of life with more courage and more awareness than I've ever had before. And I know that things are changing with this ageism that we've had, but I just, I truly believe in the wisdom that comes through aging. And I'm celebrating this era of my life as I get older and more mature and more understanding and more open-minded. And if you think... So you started from the twenties and your past, um, how would you describe your professional and personal past to where you are today in celebrating your age? Mm. Well, professionally, I, so I'm a, I'm a yoga teacher. I am a, a coach. I'm a qualified life coach. I've been teaching yoga for 10 years here in Melbourne. I run retreats and I'm very much, I've built my professional life. I, I call it like a it's like my business, I guess, my business life, my entrepreneurial life around my own journey. So everything that I've been through, I've kind of created um, on the other side of that journey and offering. So everything that I teach, all of my yoga, all of my coaching, all of my retreats is a process I've been through already. I've been to university. I'm a qualified high school teacher. I studied history and politics. I thought my life was going to go down a very different path, but for whatever reason, I followed, I followed my intuition and I followed my bliss and even the challenging moments have become gifts in the way that I get to share them, um, with my community through my, my offerings and my, my retreats and my teachings today. So that's pretty cool. And were you always intuitive or was there a moment when you understood this is the right path for you and you need to listen to your intuition rather than your mind? Well, I actually, I'm, I I identify as a highly sensitive person and I, we we are either born with high sensitivity or we're not. So 20%, around 20% of the human population has this trait of being highly sensitive. We are very intuitive beings, especially because we notice so much and all of that noticing um, adds up to this like sixth sense, which is intuition. Um, 
I believe I've always been very intuitive, but I spent so much of my earlier life, like my teens and my 20s, a lot of my 20s, not listening to that intuition and it would get me into trouble all of the time. I would hear the gut instinct and I would have that full, I would have that bodily felt experience of, you know, having like a warning sign or, you know, knowing what to do next. And then I would ignore it and it would get me into so much trouble. And I just felt lost. When we don't listen to our intuition, we feel lost. And so that's why that era of my life felt like I was stumbling around in the dark. There was a moment um, when I feel like that light got switched on. And that was when I was 28 years old. And uh, anyone who knows anything about astrology, it's like that Saturn return when we start to really have this moment of shift. And I had had a pretty long-term relationship end in a pretty traumatic way. And so I'd gone on this, I guess you could call it like an eat, pray, love quest um, into into Asia. So I went to India and Thailand and Bali on my own to kind of find my next step in life because I felt lost. And it was when I was in India, actually, in Rishikesh in the north, which had been calling me for a long time. And I remember walking down the street in Rishikesh by myself and I felt more at home there and in my body and in that place than I had ever felt. And I remember suddenly I started to hear this voice, not in like a, not like in a going crazy way, but like in that intuition way, I could suddenly hear what my next steps were. And that was really like a reassuring feeling. And the voice basically told me to move to Melbourne and become a yoga teacher. At that time, I was living in Western Australia. I was teaching school, high school, and I just was feeling like, it wasn't me. And I got back from that trip in India and I packed my car up and I drove across the country by myself to this new life that was 10 years ago. 10 years ago, yeah. And no, it was more than 10 years ago. It was 11 years ago. And that voice has never stopped since. And so I think that the voice is always there for everyone. Some people it's stronger than others. But I think a lot of us actually ignore the voice because there's other influences that seem to be more dominant. Maybe it's social media, maybe it's peer pressure, maybe it's your family expectations or cultural expectations that kind of overpower the intuition, but it is there for everyone. So when you listen to that inner voice that is guiding you now and it's always there for you and your ability to find it was through going through the deep and darkest moment of your life. In mm. psychology, we have this term of the heroic journey. Mm. And usually during the heroic journey, you go to the darkest and the deepest to find mm. your true self. And by going through that breakup uh, and emotional challenges that moved you to go to India and finding yourself and connecting to your voice that you hear, how do you feel that your next step from going there into that deepest moment of your soul and moving to the light and finding your true self, there's always a cycle that takes you to the next stage. 
Mm-hmm. It's so funny that you mentioned like the hero's journey, because just before we got on to record this podcast, I've been making a reel and it's about the hero's journey. So it's very timely. And I love um, Joseph Campbell's hero's journey. I think that it is like the most incredible mythology because it reframes challenging times. It allows those really shitty, dark times to become actually the the vehicle of like transformation. And it, allow, it allows us to use those de- depressing moments, the anxious times, the heartbreak, and to like transform it into something that's really powerful. And I had that as like a big, like, like a major, I would call it um, cycle, like down into the dark night of the soul. But then I also have like mini ones as well. And this, this is what a cycle is. It's not like you just do it once and it's a one and done thing. I think sometimes as humans, we might have a couple of big ones in life where we learn major lessons because you come back from the dark night of the soul with the gifts for your, for your tribe, for your community. You come back bearing these gifts um, to use in life. Um, but then there's also these small dark nights of the soul. I've had heartbreaks when I thought like I would never go back to depression again. I've had like heartbreaks that have taken me not that far down, but it has taken me down. But again, I, you come back from that with a different perspective and a different strength. And that's the beauty of uh, Campbell's work that we go through the heroic journey to find our new self. And every time we found our new self, we think we're on the top, there would be another journey to come ahead. And that's how all the stories are written and all lives are lived in the cycle of changing and transforming. And your life, as you were saying, stepping into your 40s has came to the new transitioning where Mm. you're looking forward to finding your new self as stepping into the new age and there's also such thing as the uh, rite of passage where you allow yourself to step into this new age that you've become and acknowledge and create a ritual for yourself so would you mind sharing if you're going to create any type of ritual for yourself for your 40s a type of ritual I do a lot of ritual in my life like being a yoga teacher for so long, I've I've learned a lot of different ways to celebrate, whether it's through like the seasonal cycles or um, even just personal cycles. Uh, from a from from a personal point of view, like I'm going to go on a trip for my 40th birthday and have an overseas celebration with my nearest and dearest friends and family, which is which I guess is a rite of passage. I feel like a lot of my 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 um, outer travels, the journeys that I've taken through the world, have corresponded with inner journeys. There's been like a parallel understanding of that. Um, so. Other than really celebrating my age, because I think I think a lot of people are trying to deny their age or they're trying to reverse aging or they're trying to not talk about it. I really want to celebrate it. And I really want to celebrate um, stepping into this new era, I guess, for myself and being confident and just owning it all. And you said that you're working with uh, 
people and you're taking people to retreats. Um, so what is it for you in doing this, all the work? And how did you find this is your path when you were there in India, understanding that this is what you feel like your true self of doing yoga? Mm, so yoga for me was something my mum did in the 90s. So growing up, she was um, she would do Iyengar yoga in a small in the small town that I grew up in, Margaret River. And it was very kind of uncool back then. It was very fringe. It was kind of embarrassing that my mum would do yoga. Um, and now obviously it's a worldwide phenomenon and very commercialized. But I never wanted to do it because she did it and it, I thought it was embarrassing. But then it was in uh, a time of challenge in my in my 20s, I mentioned were pretty challenging. Uh, when I was 24, I was living in Hong Kong on a university exchange program. I was studying in Perth, but I had an exchange to Hong Kong U. And I was also at that time really unwell mentally, very anxious. I had an eating disorder, just not very balanced. And all I wanted to do was hide. And I remember I got off the plane and I made my way to the un university. I got to the accommodation and I opened the door and it was in like a high rise building in Hong Kong. I opened the door and mentally I knew that I was sharing a space with someone else and I was mentally okay with that. But when I opened the door and saw the space of the room, I was literally shocked. It was two single beds, two desks, two cupboards, two chairs, and a little pathway down the middle. And I thought, how am I gonna cope with this? How am I gonna handle this lack of personal space when all I wanted to do was hide? And actually one of the reasons I went on exchange was because I thought I could run away from myself. That's what I was doing. I was running. I was trying to do a geographical. But I knew that there was nowhere to hide. Like that was what I'd signed up to do. And I immediately was trying to find a solution. I was trying to find a way to cope with this very acute lack of space. If anyone's been to Hong Kong, they know there's a lot of people there. It's not somewhere to, you go and hide. Um, but I immediately went into this like mode of like, my, I guess my intuition was still working. And I found a, a yoga studio and I'd done yoga. I dabbled with it on and off, but it was in that moment um, in Hong Kong that I really kind of jumped in with both feet because I needed a practice that would allow me to go within and find that inner space. Um, and luckily enough, there was an incredible yoga studio not far from where I was studying, um, Pure Yoga Hong Kong, amazing world-class studio, amazing teachers. And that's where I went every day, if not twice a day while I was in Hong Kong, while the other uni students were partying. Um, so that was my like first real experience of diving into yoga and having a very visceral experience of being healed. Like it was a healing practice. Um, and then after that, I got back from Hong Kong. I went, I got into this relationship that I mentioned before and my practice left me for about three years or I left it because I didn't need it. That's what I thought. Um, so I was in a relationship for three and a bit years. And then when that ended, like, a bit traumatically, I jumped straight back into the practice because it was like, it, it made me feel good. And that was when I went to India. And that was when it was like, no, make this your life. Like, you know, how much, you, you know, how powerful this practice is, go and share it with others. And so when I got to, um, 
Melbourne after India, I signed up for teacher training and I did two or three in a row and then I started teaching and that was, that's been my journey. And every year I've been doing new trainings and evolving my own practice, my own teaching style. And I just share, I share what it does for me. And then it's easy for me to teach because I know how powerful this practice is. I know how many people need it and I want to share it. The retreats part that you met, asked me about came in because I had also experienced going on retreat and doing them in Thailand. And actually one of the retreats that I'm taking this year is in, is in Thailand and it's in the same location. It's not the same venue, but it's the same location as the first ever re yoga retreat I did. And it is magical. And I remember on these retreats, I did a few around that time. And I just remember having this amazing feeling of like stepping out of life and all of the stresses and the normal routine we have and just having this very um, precious time to be away from normality and just being with ourselves so we can start to unravel some of the conditioning, some of the programming that we all have. You know, when we're around people that know us, we put on a certain front, but when we can step back from our normal life, we get to release all of those masks and just see who we are at our essence. And then on retreat, you get to choose which beliefs you want to take back into the real world with you. It's in a, it's in a way like a hero's journey because you go in, you, t you get the gifts and you come back out again. So I... I love sharing retreats. I think they're incredibly important. I think they're very valuable. I think you can do a lot of inner healing and inner work in a short amount of time and you do it in community. You do it with others who come with the intention to unpack and heal and yeah, be open. So that's why I love them. That's why I think they're really important. So from what you're saying, I hear that, uh, that you've mentioned that while you acknowledge that you're a highly sensitive person and you've been like that all your life and you get to understand where you need to go through experience. So when you're experiencing a small room in Hong Kong, um, a hardship in relationship, you find a way to lift yourself up and create something. And you found your tool of doing yoga as part of something that transforms you and steps you on the path where you need to be and by being a highly sensitive person and sharing the tools that you found in your life you're helping others to go through that same healing journey by showing them what you've achieved and creating that space where they can take the gifts and move into their life with a healthier way of living and understanding themselves. And what with your practice, is so that highly sensitive person, how did you find out about there's so many of highly sensitive people around and that you are one of them? It's a really good question. So um, I always believed that I was just anxious and a little bit broken. I had some trauma when I was in my early teens slash late childhood and it really 
stayed with me because it was never dealt with at the time. And so by the time I was in my late teens and early twenties, I just felt really broken. And I was having an experience of all my relationships, um, ending in a, in a way that didn't feel good. And I just had this self-belief that I was unlovable and that no one would want to be with me or I couldn't be a good partner or I, I just had too much anxiety. And yeah, and that, that, that was never going to be able to be fixed. That was a belief that I had. And then it was during COVID, I guess COVID had started and I was in a new relationship who I, man is now my husband. We've just celebrated five years together and he was a very different, um, energy, like as a partner. And he always said to me, like, there's nothing wrong with you. You're not broken. And just that little bit of um, validation allowed me to go on this journey of self-discovery again, another one of the hero's journey cycles where I got to dive deep into my own personal self-healing. I started doing a lot of research and I found the work of Elaine Aaron, who is an amazing research psychologist who discovered the trait of high sensitivity. So she was doing research on temperament and she found that there was, um, yeah, about 20% of the population, sometimes it's 15, sometimes it's 25, but it's around 20% of every population has the, the people who have evolved with these traits of being sensitive. So we notice things more. We are more sensitive to light and sound. We're more sensitive in our emotions. Um, we need more sleep. Um, so many different uh, sensitive traits. So it's like sensitive to physical things, but also emotionally sensitive. And actually this can, everyone, people say sensitivity is your superpower, but it's not because it, it might not be because the, this world is not built for sensitive people. It's built for the other 80% of the population who don't have the trait of high sensitivity. So the world can be a lot for us and we can experience overwhelm, overstimulation, um, and yeah, that's what I was, I was in a cycle of constantly feeling overstimulated. But one, once you have that knowledge, once I understood that, oh my gosh, this is actually me, there's a self-test you can do. It's linked in my Instagram bio, if anyone's interested, and it links straight through to Elaine Aaron's website where there's a, a test you can do. And I, I ticked nearly all of them. Like there's a scale and I was almost all of these, all of these points. And suddenly I had this realization like, I'm not broken. There's nothing wrong with me. I'm just very sensitive. And I need to live my life in a way that allows me to thrive with my sensitivity because it can be a superpower. It can really be your worst enemy if you're living in a way that is not conducive to your sensitivity. But if you live a beautiful, beautifully, consciously curated life that supports your sensitive nature, you are able to like be the most incredible version of you. And that's the work I do with women is it's women who also feel like they've, they can't handle life or, you know, there's just too much going on. They feel constantly anxious or overstimulated. Um, I help them reframe that by firstly claiming this trait of sensitivity, reframing everything you ever believed about yourself. And sometimes everything we've thought of is actually incorrect learning how to explain who we are to those around us, like our partners, our kids, even our, our employers, our friends. So having that really um, important language, 
powerful language and then um, maintaining our lifestyle through yoga. Yoga is just one of the tools that I use. But even things like grounding with bare feet on the earth, spending time alone in nature, having downtime, you know, like reading a book on the beach is one of my favorite things in the world to do. Just by myself, lying in the sun, reading my book by with the sound of the ocean. That to me, like my nervous system is so regulated when I do that and it's completely free. Um, going camping, being, being in the trees, um, yeah, there's just so many different practices and tools. Having a salt bath, um, doing a meditation, a guided meditation. There's so many, so many practices that we can bring into our life that allows us to be very calm as highly sensitive people because the world needs our gifts. We, we, we are needed and we need to show up in a way where we are our best version. This is so beautiful and I find it very important for people to recognize that as soon as possible because if they know who they are and it's not a burden, it becomes a gift and that's your journey that you didn't need to run away from yourself. You need to didn't need to hide anywhere. You just realize that this is your gift that you just need to nourish more to expand to who you really are and by doing this work leading to your journey that you're a teacher originally so you started as a teacher and you did teaching and then you found the path of connecting to yourself through yoga and healing yourself through yoga and then you're teaching both so you're teaching people to understand who they are if they're highly sensitive uh, and then finding the tools to create that harmony within themselves and balance. Uh, and because you're a teacher, you have that gift to keep. So your teaching path, how did that evolve? Uh, do you mean like with what I'm doing now? Yeah. So, so you started as a teacher and then now mm. you are teaching. Yeah. And like I, I always say, all paths lead to Rome, like everything even if you think you're on the wrong path, it's giving you a gift, an experience, a skill that you're going to use later. So yeah, I've, I did four years at university, studied history and politics, did my teaching degree, started teaching. I learned how to write curriculums. I learned how to, you know, um, write programs. And so now I've, I've created my own, uh, mentorship it's called the soulful and sensitive mentorship which is a three-month course with 12 modules um and all of that knowledge or about how to share through teaching is I'm using that now so nothing's ever wasted um even you know teaching yoga I'm I'm sharing I'm a communicator that is that's what I do that's like my archetype is to communicate so yeah the teacher in me lives on Yes, and when you connect through uh, your networking uh, while doing yoga and meeting new people and they're finding out that they are similar, they have these traces of being highly sensitive and then you can give the gift of acknowledging that. So what do you see um, in your environment and your life as a perspective of how societies? changing, growing, adapting or going through a lot of things. And as you said, the 
way the society is currently, the humanity is so polluted with information and things that around us. How do you see it's transforming into a new way of being with your gifts, with acknowledging that there's such things exist like you found in you? Mm. It's interesting you said the world's polluted with information. It's polluted with a lot of things right now. <laughs> so I'm always seeking out natural spaces where that are clean at the moment. Like I live in Melbourne, like you do, and the bay is full of pollution. So I feel like w things are polluted. There's like the metaphorical pollution of information, but there's very physical pollution. And I'm always seeking clarity. And so, um, yeah, just an interesting metaphor. Um, I feel like the world is getting more within this age of information, you can actually, I heard a stat the other day, it was like Shakespeare received the same amount of information in his whole life, in his lifetime, than we do in one day. That just blows my mind. We have now any access to any information we want, basically. The internet, you can go on to these Ivy League universities and basically download their whole curriculum for free. You don't get the degree, but you, the information is there. And in the past, these these libraries, these libraries of books would be the prized um, assets of these universities. Like knowledge used to be very gatekept because it was rare, but now information is everywhere and there's no gatekeeper. The issue is we need to discern what's valuable. Like what's worth listening to? Because on one hand, we've got the Kardashians and, you know, just this insane epitome of like the most bizarre value system on one hand. And that's, everyone seems to be tuning into that station. But on the other hand, we've got all this other information at our fingertips that we, we just choose not to see because we're so consumed with all this other stuff. So what I see is like right now, the gift that we all need is discernment to like, what are we giving our attention to? The most valuable thing in the world is our own attention span. What are you giving it to? And the highly sensitive people that I work with, one of like one of our main issues is overwhelm. We get overstimulated easily. And luckily I grew up in an age where we didn't have smartphones. I only got a phone like after I'd finished high school basically and smartphones were like a decade later. So I wasn't in that social media world growing up and I can't imagine how it would feel. And that kind of scares me about <laughs> children these days is their, their connectivity. I mean, it's a beautiful thing, but I just feel like it's really, it's really challenging for highly sensitive minds and hearts and souls. It's too much. It's too overwhelming. So I feel like we, we need to peel back a little. We all need to like withdraw a little. The gates have been wide open. And I just feel like we need to consider how we want to nurture our own minds and lives and kind of be a bit more insular so we can control it, our own energy. And I agree with everything you just said, um, especially relating to the pollution, because obviously the pollution is not just physical, it's also mental and to keep clean our inner self and outer self, our environment is part of it as well. And when you say of, about the humanity that 
if we are to learn how to focus and how to find the way to deal with this so much information and so much what's happening around us and we can tune in into ourselves in connect to our true self as you did when you had your trips and going away from where you used to live to another place and it was a journey for you as well so if you look at that way from your personal path and your heroic journey to the world on mm. currently that going through that heroic journey as well and that metaphor of going really down into the pollution and stepping out so how do you find in your perspective how would it look like when we're going up as as a humanity as a society of cleaning up from the pollution and finding the light well i really hope we're all doing that i really hope we get there and honestly this is something i think about all the time and i don't i think a lot of us don't want to think about like the future of humanity the scientists are not telling us good things they are then they're telling us bad things and no one wants to see that the cognitive dissonance is real but i i love to think about this stuff and i i would love to think that humans are capable of pulling back and making choices rational choices that are going to allow us to survive on this planet because the way we're going we're not going to do that i know that's a dark thing to say but it's just the trajectory we're on we won't um but i i know that we are also capable of evolving and if we are on a hero's journey collectively then we'll come back with gifts and humans are really smart like we can shoot to the moon we are brilliant in so many ways and if we can channel that into living sustainably with the earth then i hope i'm around to see that yeah that would be good for all of us um so thank you so much i think we had uh overall a, a conversation that inspires and gives people to think and relate especially if you are finding that you have the traces of highly sensitive person please find Blue Kelly so can you share how can we find you absolutely yeah so my main um social media that I use is Instagram and it is Lou L-O-U dot Kelly, K-E-L-L-E dot West, Lou Kelly West, or I share a lot of resources about being highly sensitive. Um, I also have a couple of retreats um, this year coming up and also my Soulful and Sensitive Mentorship. Um, I'll be running that twice this year, starting in March and in August. And all of those details are on my website, which is loukelly.com. Thank you so much. And I'll put all the links behind uh under this podcast and thank you so much for sharing it is very unique perspective that you hold and i'm so pleased to have you around thank you oh thanks valerie it's been my pleasure to share thanks for having me on